Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, I want to preach tonight on the subject, formula for an outpour. Oh my, I feel like we're there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everybody there got the Holy Ghost, 120 of them. And if there had been 150 in there, they had all gotten the Holy Ghost. But the wonderful thing about this is that when you have an outpour, you can't confine it or contain it. It spilled out into the street and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. I think it's safe to call this an outpour. The old days they used to call it a gully washer. Anybody remember that term, the gully washer? Amen. We want to talk about that tonight, the formula for an outpour. Lord, we're thankful for your presence, thankful for the privilege to be in your house. Oh, we feel your glory, and we're so thankful, God. We've come tonight to worship you. We have no other agenda. We come in one mind and one accord to give you praise and glory and to lift you up, God, for your word says, if we would lift you up, that you would draw all men nigh unto you. Hallelujah. We pray for an outpouring upon this community. Upon Palm Bay, Lord, I pray that the heavens would open and that the Spirit of God would descend, for you're the same God. In the upper room as you are today, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. We um, look at this upper room. We can all agree that indeed it's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's a tremendous demonstration of the Spirit of God as they entered uh, what we call today the church age with the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The Gospels talk about the ministry of Jesus and, of course, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we understand that that's what salvation is based on, death being repentance, the burial being baptism, and the resurrection being the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But it wasn't until we get to the book of Acts that we see that God begins to fulfill what he had told his followers, that greater works than these shall ye do. And so they assembled themselves together in this upper room, and they, uh, they prayed, and uh, they got their uh, minds together, and then the heavens opened up when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That's why we call ourselves Pentecostal. We connect with this outpouring of the Spirit of God. They were all in one accord. You got to get everybody on the same page, believing and expecting it. No big eyes and little U's. It's everybody connected together. Everybody saying, We need an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And as they began to enter into that atmosphere, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I mean, literally, a wind that you could hear came down and began to fill that place and all of the house where they were sitting. There appeared in them like cloven tongues of fire sat upon you. They had all of the things that you have whenever you have an outpour and you have this saturation point. You have the wind and the fire and you have the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and it was something that was so powerful, it, it initiated this church age. It, 
It was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was now God who had demonstrated himself in flesh through the ministry of Jesus that's now demonstrating himself in spirit, which now allows each and every one of us to have the essence of God Almighty inside of us. Whew, what a powerful thing it is when you think about the fact that God deposits a part of his Holy Spirit inside each and every one of us. We know we have this fallen flesh that we deal with, but it's not alone. It is the now this body that we have can be containers of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible talked about that. He said there's going to be treasures that are going to be put in earthen vessels. We have this treasure of his spirit that are in these earthen vessels because we are made of the dust of this earth. But oh, hallelujah, we are not just mortal men. We have an opportunity to be vessels of honor and instruments of praise. And what a privilege it is to say, God, we desire your presence and use us uh, as a conduit that your glory and your power can flow through. I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, there's no better way to live this life than to be in the hands of a mighty God being used for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. But we would be naive to think that all of these people just showed up and the Holy Ghost was poured out. There was a journey that many of them went through to get to this upper room experience. And since we believe that we are asking and praying for an upper room experience at the uh, Bayside High Stadium of God filling at least 120 people with the Holy Ghost, we feel like that it's, it's right for us on this Sunday night before the crusade to examine what took place leading up to this outpouring on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 1 and verse 10 tells us a little bit of this journey that these followers of Christ were making. It said, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, Jesus has now uh, been on earth 40 days after his resurrection. He ascends and goes up into heaven. And as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. He had already gone up, but they just stood there just sort of uh, in, in, in a kind of a deer in the headlight look, I guess, as they just stared into the heavens maybe thinking he would come back right away. But uh, as they waited, there were two men in uh, white apparel that came, which we know as angels, men appearing in the form uh, of an angelic being. And they said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. This was happened on Mount Olivet, which is interesting because Revelation talks about that. This Mount Olivet, it's not over yet. There's going to be a completion. I'm going to tell you something. You are serving a God who completes. He completes. He's not a God that leaves loose ends. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother James. These were some of the followers. Every one of them had a story and a path that had taken them to the upper room. Two names to take note of here that we're going to emphasize is, is uh, Peter and Thomas. Notice that they were in that group. And it says, these all continued with one accord, I'm in verse 14, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So we see that these people that are almost their inner circle of, of, of Jesus, the ones that had been 
uh, with him from the beginning, those that had become ardent followers of Christ, that they are now gathered together, even though they're disappointed, even though they're discouraged, because Jesus has ascended and gone back into heaven. Wouldn't it be great, I'm sure they thought, in their humanity, for the Lord to stick around on earth and for them to prove to their friends that they're not crazy because they've been telling everybody Jesus is resurrected. They're like, yeah, okay, thanks a lot. And it would be great for you to stick around a little while to show you off a little bit. He ascends and goes back into heaven. And so they were a bit discouraged about that. And these angels had to remind them that they were still on mission. They were to go uh, to Jerusalem. I, I think that it's important that the, the, the Bible talks about it being a Sabbath day's journey. Because uh, this Sabbath day's journey is, is an important point that I want to make just before uh, we get to these uh, three things that we believe are a formula for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it says that it was a Sabbath day's journey. Now, this is why I believe that's important, because a Sabbath day's journey is a short trip. It's, uh, it's only about 6,000 feet, maybe, maybe a little bit more uh, than a mile for a Sabbath day's journey. Now, what that meant was that they were only allowed to walk a certain distance on the Sabbath day. They don't want them, of course, it was a day of rest to overwork and all. So they, they only traveled a certain distance. And so from Mount Olivet to Jerusalem was a, about a Sabbath day's journey, about 6,000 steps. It wasn't that far uh, is the point that we want to make. Now, here's why I think this is important. Because a lot of people get stuck on Mount Olivet. They're good people. They love the Lord, but they never make the trip to Jerusalem. They don't ever get to the upper room. They don't ever get filled with the Holy Ghost. They may believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, but you've got to make the trip to Jerusalem. But even they, even these followers of Christ, had to have angels come and remind them, go to Jerusalem. Don't get stuck on the mountain looking into the past of what it used to be. This is the great thing about the God you and I serve. He's not just a God of the past. He's not just a God of the pages of the Scripture. He is a God that has your present and your future. Oh, hallelujah. And, and so he's, look forward, just like we were talking about this morning. Look toward the sea. Look toward your answer. Look toward victory. And he told him, go to Jerusalem. It's not over yet. This is just a transition time, but it's, it's not finished. And so even the best is not behind you. The best is still in front of you. Oh, I feel like encouraging somebody tonight. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days, as much as we love our forefathers, are not behind us. The best days are still ahead of us. The best days is what these young people are going to be a part of. We're going to live and die and be buried with our fathers. But, oh, there's a next generation coming and a next generation coming. And the reason we have that hope is because of the God we serve. He's not confined to one dispensation or to one generation. He is a mighty God from the front to the end. Mm. Don't get stuck on the mountain. Make your trip to the upper room. And this is why I love that it was a Sabbath day's journey because it was not very far. And I want to say this tonight, the trip that God wants to take each of us on to this outpouring of his spirit is not very far away. It's only a few steps. So many times we talk ourselves out of revival by saying, Oh, that's not for me, or I could never receive that, or I've done too many. And we get stuck in pause on a mountain that you can see Jerusalem, you can see the upper room, 
but you don't make the trip or the journey. I want to say tonight, it's not that far away. It's just a few steps to get in the middle of what God is doing in these last days. You say, oh, pastor, I just, I don't, I, I'm not, you know, football stadium outpouring crusade kind of guy. I like to come in a parking spot and get in there and go into the church and be air condensed. It's not that far away. Oh, pastor, I don't think I could ever teach a Bible study or win somebody to the Lord. I'm just not an outgoing person. It's not that far away. It's just a short trip to say, hey, I've got a friend who invented the apple. <laughs> it's just a short trip. A couple of weeks ago, I was with my, uh, my good friends, the uh, uh, Urshans and the uh, Elmses. And, uh, of course, you know the Elmses, they're going to be here this week. But they pastor down in Fort Lauderdale. And, and uh, Brother Joel Urshan, he's going to be with us after the men's conference and his family. We're going to have a great time. They're just great friends. And so my wife and I were with them. We were all going out to eat in a restaurant. And uh, we were in line. We were waiting to get up to this little Italian restaurant we want to go to. And uh, there were all these people being turned away, turned away, turned away, turned away. And uh, if you didn't have a reservation, you weren't getting in. And we didn't have a reservation. So um, I got up there to the counter. And this lady that was there taking the reservation, she had on a shirt that said, blessed. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you, God always has given you favor, even when you don't realize it. So I got up there in front of her, and her shirt said, blessed. And I said, she looked at me, and she said, how many is in your party? And I said, we have six in our party. I said, does the back of your shirt say, and highly favored? She, her mouth dropped open. She turned around, the back of her shirt said, and highly favored. <laughs> oh man she turned back around I said boy I tell you you are blessed and highly favored because you are looking at three pastors and their wives she said do you have a reservation and I said no and she said no problem follow me I gave her a $20 bill I said take care of your church I know you go to church she said boy do I ever and I sing in the choir Woo, there's people all around you, hallelujah, that are hungry. All you got to do is tell them, hey, I'm a believer too. God is on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. It's a short trip to be a soul winner. It's a short trip to be a worshiper. It's a short trip to be an overcomer. Woo, Hallelujah. The Bible describes some of these people that were there. It's like a who's who of Pentecost. Peter, James, and John, I call them the big three, not because they're heavy, but just because they were the ones we read about the most. But there's Andrew and Philip and Thomas and even Mary, the mother of Jesus. For people that say, I don't think you have to get the Holy Ghost, I want to ask them this. If Mary, the mother of Jesus was in the upper room and received the Holy Ghost. She is picked out of all ladies on the earth. And that's a lot of folks because there's more ladies than there are men. And she is chosen and she is filled. My goodness, if she had to have the Holy Ghost, we got to have the Holy Ghost. 
But I, I want to talk about a few of these because I think they give us three principles of what it takes for an outpour. And I want to start with Peter. Peter stands for repentance. You don't have an outpouring without repentance. And so you're going to see this in the crusade, and, and, and even tonight we'll do it. We'll all repent. There's something about repentance that opens up the doors for heaven to be able to bless it. Until we repent and say, God, I'm going to ask you to forgive me of every sin, because there's things that we do in our humanity on a daily basis that we probably don't even keep up with. We don't even keep track of it. But every time when we say, God, we desire a spiritual outpouring of the Holy Ghost, uh, we have got to repent and say, Lord, cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind, take away fear, take away pride, take away everything that's going to contaminate this vessel, because we desire an outpouring of your spirit and we got to repent and say Lord cleanse us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet we need you in the name of Jesus Christ <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what Peter stood for repentance he walked with the Lord he was zealous for the Lord but when it came time for his crucifixion Peter made some mistakes denied the Lord three times I'm sure he questioned his own faith he said I go efficient he went out in the darkness there was some things that happened that really caused us to wonder whether or not Peter would be able to make it back but oh hallelujah the Lord was intentional about telling Peter hallelujah I still love you buddy I'm still on your side there's still a path for you to come back there's still a place for you in the fold hallelujah come on Peter upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail Peter lovest thou me more than these you know that I do Lord feed my sheep hallelujah oh that's right if you can find your way back through repentance the Lord is saying I'm gonna make you a soul winner I'm going to make you an overcomer. There is a path through repentance. And we cannot deny the importance of repentance. And so each night you're going to hear us. We're going to be talking about repentance before we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. And we're going to ask everybody to repent of their sins. And we're going to say, Lord, individually and collectively, cleanse us. Because repentance is necessary to get to the upper room. If you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you have to start with repentance. Repentance is our sacrifice. It's the way that we humble ourselves. There's a, a, a scripture that we love to refer to, and we talked about it a lot uh, during this past year of COVID. You know, we're sitting on just about one year now. We're about one year, about the middle of March is when the shutdown happened of last year. So we're looking at about one year. And when we started into this COVID, we started ramping up all of our, our broadcasts and all that. We had a lot of emphasis on Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, which you know is that great, great verse. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, all of that's repentance, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. You see that? This is what triggers it and will heal their land. The healing that our land needs, the outpouring that our community needs, it starts with repentance. It starts with him forgiving us of our sin. And as I looked at 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and began to pray this once again, the Lord directed my attention to 2 Chronicles 7, 13. Uh, and it just broadened my understanding because 7, 13 says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain. Everything about 2 Chronicles 7, 14 uh, is about opening up the windows of heaven uh, so that the rain can return. 
When we pray for an outpouring, oh, hallelujah, we're saying, God, we want you to saturate just like you did in the first awakening and the second awakening. And this entire nation was founded on revival and the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression and the freedom to assemble ourselves together. That's what this nation was founded on. And we're saying, God, open up the heavens again and pour out your spirit. I've come to tell you, it's the same formula. my people we can't look down the street we can't look to our neighbor we can't look to another denomination it's upon us if my people what people the people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. All the outpouring is dependent upon repentance. Peter had to find his way back through repentance. We have to find our way back through repentance. We don't get to the outpouring unless we start with repentance. Repentance are those headwaters of the Jordan River that everything that flows down You have to have repentance as a foundation. And the way you get to repentance is to understand how much Jesus loves you. Peter was able to repent because he realized how much Jesus loved him. And I know we say Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. But it is important to get a revelation that he really does love me as an individual. And that's hard sometimes because we struggle loving ourselves and we're reminded of all of our mistakes, as Peter was. But whenever he was reminded that Jesus loved him, oh, it's a short trip to repentance. When you can say, Jesus really does love me. It's not a hard thing to humble yourself when you know that Jesus really does love you, hallelujah, that he's not going to hurt you, he's not going to embarrass you, he's not going to turn you away, oh no, he's not a God that will reject you, he's a God that has open arms that says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, I've come to tell somebody tonight, Jesus loves you, and Jesus has prepared a place for you in the upper room. starts with repentance and there's so many stories that I can share with you about repentance but let me quickly move to the second one after we examine Peter and we understand the importance of repentance we go to Thomas and we realize that Thomas was one who had a battle with his faith this is the other part of the upper room outpouring you have to believe and before Thomas went to the upper room he was in another room that wasn't an upper room it was a room shortly after the resurrection of Jesus and the followers of Christ were all in this room and they were so excited and they were all sharing about their stories and Thomas said I got to put my hand in his hands and feel the nail prints where the spear went in on the side and Jesus appeared in the room I'm so thankful that the Lord does not run from people that want to have a personal experience with him. 
for people that'll say, God, I want to know you for yourself. God doesn't say, well, who do you think you are? It ought to be good enough for you that you're in a church. It ought to be good enough for you that your parents and grandparents are the Lord. God doesn't turn away somebody that says, I want to know you for it. In fact, he'll make a special house call. To say, here I am, touch my side, <laughs> touch the nail prints in my hands. <laughs> oh, before Thomas could get to the upper room, he had to go through the room of doubt and the room of revelation. Because he knelt down and what did he say? My Lord and my God. <laughs> I may have doubted you, but I don't doubt. I believe. Oh, my friend, if you want an outpouring, if you really want to be able to sing, this is revival. You got to believe that anything is possible. That if God said it, it can happen. That if God proclaimed it, it's already a part of his will. Woo! Believe that you shall receive. Mm. Jesus, of course, revealed himself. And you and I can understand that part of the formula for an outpouring is understanding that it requires faith. God will meet us at our point of faith. Faith is the key. It's the key to getting the Holy Ghost. It's the key to the upper room. When I was just a young evangelist, about 20 years old, I was at a, an evangelist seminar in Houston, Texas. They used to do evangelist seminars at Christmas, the week between Christmas and New Year's, because it's a difficult time for evangelists to have an opportunity to minister in churches, so they do a, an evangelist seminar they used to. And we were in an evangelist seminar in Houston, Texas. I had been on a, an extended fast and I really wanted to be used of God, and I didn't want to just go through the motions. But I wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And uh, so during that crusade, or during that seminar, rather, in Houston, Texas, there was a man that was there at Pastors out in Wichita, Kansas. And he was talking about Bible studies. And... Uh, I got a burden to come back here and work with my father and, and this church and, and teach Bible studies. And we eventually did that after we fulfilled our commitments uh, that we had already had on the books for preaching at certain churches. But in just a few short weeks, uh, we were back here and we started STARS, that program, somebody teaching and reaching souls and started training teachers and teachers started, tra started teaching Bible studies. And this church is built on Bible studies. I just feel like saying this on the Holy Ghost. It's not in my notes. We won't ever graduate from that. Revival is still going to be based on teaching the word of God. But the, the Lord gave me a revelation that it's all about faith. He said, if you believe, you shall receive. And so I just, I got up and I said, Lord, I believe when the word of God goes forth, that signs and wonders shall follow as your word declared. I thank you for it, Lord. I believe it, and I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I got up, and I went and ate with everybody else. And the first revival that we had after that seminar was in a little town. I was preaching. I think it was with uh, Chris Rossetti, who was my quiz coach and my youth director. And uh, we went to preach in a little town called Wiesner, Louisiana. There wasn't more than about 200 people in the whole city. But that Sunday night, there was about 300 in the church service. Yeah. 
They come from, Louisiana is amazing. They come out from the woods and the farms and everywhere. And they, they come to church. And uh, so, boy, I tell you what, I said, this now's the time. And so we just stepped down in faith. And before that service was over, there had been some 12 or 13 people that had been healed in Jesus' name. We had a, we had a prayer line and people were receiving the Holy Ghost. And God had opened up a door. And from that time until now, I have realized that the key, the triggering mechanism on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is based on faith. Faith will force you to step out of a comfort zone and to believe God no matter what. If all the circumstances are against you, you can't worry about peer pressure. You've got to be like Peter and step out of the boat and say, I believe, hallelujah. I don't know how this is all going to work, but there's the Lord and here's me and I got to get to him. Oh, I don't know what you're needing God to do, but I'm here to tell you, if you need God to do something that is supernatural, that only he can do, be not discouraged. That's what God specializes in. But just step out of the boat and say, Lord, here I come. I believe you are the author and the finisher of my faith. Come on now, you got to be like Paul. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. I believe that God will give me an outpour. I believe that God will give me the victory. And begin to believe God for some big things. Faith requires a joint effort. God does it through us. We are the vessel and he uses us to be a vessel honored, but we must believe. So you and I have to believe that God is able and we have to believe that God loves us and that God has a plan for each and every one of us, that God cares about every seemingly insignificant thing that we're going through. But perhaps the most interesting person in the room is Mary, the mother of Jesus, because not only does it take repentance and not only does it take faith for an outpouring, Mary has had a journey of being a worshiper. And it required all three of these things and these three people and even more. But for the sake of just tonight, we just want to focus on three things. Faith, repentance, and worship. Mary knew she must travel to Jerusalem to receive the promise of the resurrection power. And when you look at the life of Mary, you see that she was a person that was given to praise. And when you read how she worshiped God, you see how that she tapped into something that David did when he worshiped God with all of his heart. Because we start to look at this in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is magnified hath done me great things and holy is his name and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation he hath showed strength with his arm and you go on and on and on and you realize that she was a worshiper David was a worshiper and God found him as a shepherd boy on the outside of the, of the cities and he said, I got a place and I got a position for you and he wouldn't let Samuel anoint any of the brothers. He said, oh no, there's still one that hadn't been called to the house but I spotted him, I found him because he's a worshiper. Mary didn't have a pedigree. She wasn't of a royal family but she was a worshiper. 
Oh, my friend, all you got to do is be a worshiper. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? The heart that worships positions itself for the Holy Ghost. Worship opens the door to your heart. Faith activates heaven. Repentance prepares the inner man. And worship opens the door wide. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. Mm. Woo. I love you, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. I just want to say one more time, I love you, Lord, and I lift up your holy name. You are great and greatly to be praised. There is none that is like unto you, Lord. You sit upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. These are the things that are necessary for an outpour. These are the things that God will respond to. So if you'd like to join us tonight, we're going to go through these three steps. And I believe that God, as he did last Sunday night, will demonstrate that what we feel in this place is not confined to just this building. But it is what will be demonstrated out there on that field. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder right now if we could begin with repentance. If you want to pray in your seat or you want to come to the altar, I'm asking God for a mighty move of the Holy Ghost through this whole building. But I want everybody, wherever you're at, I want you to repent right now. Would you ask God to cleanse your heart? Lord, I'm asking you to cleanse my heart right now in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, cleanse me, oh, Lord. Anoint my heart and spirit, Lord. Help me, God, to understand that I don't have to save myself. You're the one that saves us. I don't have to be strong. I just have to humble myself before the mighty hand of God. I don't have to be a perfect human, Lord. All I've got to do is obey your word. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now to cleanse us, Lord, as a people, to forgive us of our sins, oh, Lord. We need a healing in our land. We need a healing in our land. We need the heavens to open up. And so we humble ourselves as the children of your name as those that are called by the name of Jesus, as those that are baptized in the name of Jesus, as those that pray in the name of Jesus, as those that live our life under the banner of the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves and we pray and we ask you, God, forgive us of our sin. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it, just take a few moments and say, forgive me, O oh Lord. Forgive me, O oh God. 
every sin of commission, every sin of omission. Wrong thoughts, spirits, attitudes. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of apathy and indifference. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me, Lord, of just going through the motions. Oh, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin, every thought. Cleanse me, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. By the blood of Calvary, hallelujah. Wash us, oh, Lord, with your blood. Now, Lord, I believe that you have forgiven us, hallelujah. For your word says, if we will ask, we shall receive. And that, Lord, if we would forgive ourselves and to repent and to turn from our wicked ways and to turn toward you now, God, and not to walk away, but to walk to you. I believe you've heard our prayer. I believe that you will forgive me of my sin. Heal my heart, oh God. Heal my mind, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe the Lord heard you whenever you asked him to forgive you of every sin? We move to the next thing. Not because repentance is insignificant, but because repentance is something that God does quickly. You do not have to labor for heaven to forgive you. Sometimes we have to labor to humble ourselves, but it does not require for us to entreat heaven to forgive. He is quick to forgive. You understand that? You don't have to grovel with God. He is a God that is quick to forgive us. And it doesn't mean that repentance is not important. And so we understand that we start with that, but then we quickly move to the next thing. And the next thing that I want us to visit is the station of faith. And I want to talk for just, uh, just 20 seconds about faith, and then I want you to begin to believe God for something this week that is absolutely beyond your reach. Something specific that you're going to say, I'm going to believe you for it, Lord, and I'm going to pray and proclaim it every day of my life until I see it come into fruition. Faith requires you to kind of step in. You know, before the, Jordan, the, 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 sea of, uh, the, the Red Sea opened up quick for the children of Israel when they come out of, the, of Egypt and the Red Sea was open for them, all they had to do was walk over on dry ground. But when they went through all the wilderness and had all of their challenges with faith and, and all the 40 years of wandering, when they got to the Jordan River, the Jordan River is not as big as the, of the, uh, as the Red Sea, but the Jordan River did not part until the priests went down and put their feet in the water. Some miracles you have to step into. Some miracles you can just stand back and believe. But some miracles take your faith operating in action. Peter and John prayed for the lame man at the gate of the... The temple beautiful and, and the gate beautiful the temple but then they said he re they reached down and picked him up and lifted him up. sometimes your faith has to move into action and so i want us to pray right now as a church and i want us to pray a prayer of faith and say god i believe but help my unbelief 
and I want to believe for a miracle, whether it's a healing or it's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost or it's unsaved loved ones. I wonder right now if all over this building you'd lift up your hands and you would begin to believe God right now. Lord, I believe and I proclaim. Step into it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, step into the river right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm going to step into my miracle. I'm not going to just stay in a static position, but I'm going to move toward my promise right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I'm not going to stay on Mount Olivet. I'm coming to Jerusalem. I'm coming to the upper room. I'm stepping into my miracle. I will be saved. I will be healed. I will be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. When you begin to break through that barrier of faith, you'll begin to feel joy come. You'll begin to feel victory come. When you push through the natural barriers of believing, you move into a supernatural dimension that says anything is possible. If Jesus said it, I believe it. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm going to believe you for something big. I'm going to believe you for something only you can do. Come on, let faith start here so it'll spill out in the stadium. I believe, oh Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let, let me let me spend two more minutes here so we can push through this. It's kind of like when when uh, Jaeger was put in that X1 jet to try to break the sound barrier. He got buffeted so much as he got close to breaking that barrier. But then when he punched through it, first time a man had done it, it was a sonic boom. But then he was smooth sailing on the other side. Faith is like that. You have to kind of punch through it. So let me remind you of something that we call the three dimensions of faith. I preached it a number of times, but Chris Green wanted me to, to preach it again before the crusade because we taught it to our leaders over in Bangladesh before we had that, group, that great crusade. But here's something you need to understand about faith. Faith moves to different dimensions. And it started out with a point of contact. People had to believe that if they would touch Jesus, they would be healed. We talked about it a little bit today. That was contact. Sometimes you believe if the, if the man will lay his hand on my head, I'll be healed. Or if, if I could be anointed with oil, I'll be healed. And if Jesus' ministry was if you could touch. So it was a point of contact. And then their faith grew from that. And it grew from the point of contact to a covering. And the Bible said that the Lord told his disciples, greater works than these shall ye do. And whenever he ascended went back into heaven, miracles didn't stop. They magnified. And they would come to Peter and John and them, and there would be so many sick people that the Bible said they would just put them in the streets in the hope 
that the shadow of Peter. I believe that if I can just get in the vicinity, I don't have to be full of faith. I don't have to touch the hem of his garment. But if I can just get in the company of somebody that believes, if I can just get under the covering, that's a higher level of faith. Well, folks, it didn't stop there. It went even higher. And that's whenever they learned the command. This is why the Lord said he hadn't seen such great faith. When that nobleman prayed for that servant to be healed, he said, I'm not worthy that you would come to my house, but if you'll speak the word only. There is a level of faith that Jesus marveled at that says, if you just speak the word only. They move through the point of contact faith to the covering faith to the command faith that you can speak the word and it shall be done. This is why the Lord was teaching his followers in Matthew 17 that if you'll speak to the mountain, it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible. And I know this is the core. This is our church. You are the ones that are faithful. You're the ones that believe. But I want us to exercise not just contact and not just covering faith, but I want us to exercise command faith right now in the name of Jesus. Because if we, if, if we are able to experience what God is preparing us for at that stadium, it's going to be because the body of Christ, Eastwind Pentecostal Church, moves into that stadium with overwhelming faith. That is an overflow of this church. The upper room, 120 got the Holy Ghost, but it spilled out into the community and 3,000 were at it. It's got to start right here in the upper room and then it'll spill out into the city. Oh, it's going to come whenever we command it and we say in the name of Jesus, it shall be. Would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice right now and would you speak the voice of faith by the authority of the word of God, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and by the power of the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Ah. Woo! Speak the voice of faith. Speak the voice of faith. it use your voice in the name of Jesus I speak to the mountain I speak to the obstacle it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible under you under you under you under you Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo!
faith has a momentum aspect to it. It rolls and it gathers steam. All you gotta have is two or three that will agree together, and then you get four or five, and six or seven. There's a cumulative effect to faith that begins to roll. It shall be, it will happen. I declare it, I proclaim it. Woo, glory. And it's a, it's a short trip from faith to worship. Because if you believe the Lord has heard your prayer, if you believe that it's already happened, though it may have not manifested yet in the material, physical world, in the holy atmosphere of God's provision, it's already happened. I declare it. It's not a hard thing then to begin to worship God. It's not a hard thing then to begin to say, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. That's it, set your voice like a trumpet. Jesus!
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo, glory, glory. Oh, my. Hallelujah, Jesus. witnessing I think this week could have the potential of being the greatest week in our lives prayer fasting witnessing let's bring people let's get ready for the heavens to be opened up are you ready I feel like we're ready God bless you we love you you're dismissed in Jesus name hallelujah